All right, hello, good morning, and welcome to Together, a Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. It may not be the morning where you are, but it is while I'm recording, so good afternoon, good good evening, whatever suits. Um, I'm recording on the morning after the night before, which was Manchester City away, um, and we came away with a 2-0 defeat, something that I was pretty happy with, to be honest. It could have been a lot worse, and at my worst moments I was fully expecting five or six but once we kept them out for the first 30 odd minutes um, before conceding the first I felt more confident about it and I think that Chris has put together a half decent um, a half decent effort at trying to combat the massive clubs that we have to go away against thankfully we've done them both now um, I would only really consider Liverpool and Manchester City as the big teams to go away against. Maybe Stamford Bridge with Chelsea too, um, with Sarri playing them in the way that he's got them going. Um, I'm not sure. We'll have to keep an eye on Chelsea and see how they play. Um, but right now, I would consider Liverpool and City as the only two real big, massive away days for us. And we've done them now. We're finished. We're sorted out. We don't need to worry about that anymore. Um, and we can really focus on going forward. So... We don't really need to analyse Chris's attempts at tactics away from home against massive clubs because we won't be playing them again unless we draw them in a cup. Um, but let's move on to the City analysis. It's a tough one because there isn't really a great deal of stuff to look at when Manchester City had over 80% of the ball and convincingly beat us 2-0. Um, but we will. We'll look at the good first. Um, I think we need to... All, we need to. First things first, we need to call out the fact that Chris tried something different. Um, he took off Murray for Lockardia and went for a different approach, something I did suggest last week. I'm not going to blow my own horn, but it was the suggestion that I made. Um, I thought Lockardia did okay as well with the job he had to do yesterday. Um, he put himself about, he worked hard, it was a thankless job to have to do it, but I thought he was fine. Um, I know a lot of people have called out the fact that he can't head the ball, and that's a serious issue. Um, kind of blows my mind that he's made himself a professional footballer without really heading the ball more than once a game. Um, but I think he did fine. And honestly, I'm going to continue to stick up for him simply on the basis that it's far too soon to write him off. Um, I've mentioned this elsewhere, but it's it needs to be on here, I think. Um, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter slagging him off and saying that he's the worst striker to play for Brighton. Melodramatic much. Um, I've seen a lot of people saying he's like he's the worst waste of money we've ever spent. He's not good enough to play Premier League football. Um, to the knee-jerkers out there, take a breath before I continue this sentence because it's really not as big of a deal as you're making out. Um... To put it into perspective for everybody, uh, he's made three starts as a centre-forward for Brighton so far. Jürgen Lockardia is a centre-forward. He can play out wide, but that's not his preferred position. He plays as a centre-forward. That's his job. That's his bread and butter. He has made three starts as a centre-forward for Albion so far. Overall, he's made 12 appearances for the club after yesterday, his being his 12th. Seven of those have been from the bench for less than 15 minutes as a substitution. Two of his starts were starting out wide on the wing, doing a job he's not used to doing, especially in the English Premier League. And ask Jose Esquiedo how he feels about that. The difference in the way you can play on a, as a winger um, in the Premier League is a massive culture shock. Chris expects you to defend and play a much more defensive role. Um, he, he needs you to be able to do both. And 
Izquierdo struggled massively at the start, and Lockardia did the same. Um, his two games on the wing were incredibly poor. Um, in fact, the entire team were incredibly poor in the two away games he played uh, at Leicester and at Palace. And he was starting out wide on the wing, um, and then three three games as a striker, as I said before. Those three games um, have been Manchester City away, times two, and Liverpool away. That's hardly an opportunity for anybody to impress anyone. Um, he has been given a thankless job to do, and he has done it as best he can. He, don't get me wrong, he has flaws, massive ones, when he can't, you know, he's even said himself about this heading the ball issue that he has. Um, he's fluffed a few really good chances, but he's also created some incredibly good ones too. Uh, let's just not forget that he was the one who was closest to the ball, forcing the handball against Fulham, that got us the penalty, that got us the draw. Um, I think it's a bit too soon to just write him off. I think he's got a lot of potential. We spent a lot of money on him for a reason. The same for AJ. Um, let's just let's just give him a chance. Um, maybe he'll never get a chance to impress because Glenn Murray is the reason he hasn't had a chance. He has been unbelievable. He still is. And if he continues to do what he's doing, like then Lockardia or Randon, like none, neither of them are going to have a chance to impress. So let's just take a chill pill and wait on that. Um, the two players that impressed me yesterday, however, um, like really stood out to me compared to Lockardia. He, I mean, he was just fine. Um, the two that really stood out for me yesterday were Montoya and Proper. Um, they actually had an 80 and 79% pass accuracy, respectively, against a City side at home that loves to press high. Um, so I think it really says something that Montoya had to be an outlet and proper was playing in the middle of a park where he's going to be pressed incredibly quickly and they were able to keep their passes concise and pretty pretty accurate um only kyle and duffy played more passes um so i mean you know it's not like they weren't they were only playing three or four passes the entire game they were the third and fourth most passes like most frequent passes in the entire team so i think that's really impressive that they were able to keep their cool and do that um especially after davies had a couple of poorer games uh, speaking of Davy, he also made three successful tackles and two clearances. Um, that was better than anybody else on the team. He really stepped up to be the combative midfielder that we needed. Um, and it felt like he kind of essentially played Dale's usual role um, with Stevens being out this week. He really seemed to take that mantle um, with Baram Kayao picking up Proper's usual role and then Basuma just doing Basuma things. Um, so... I think it's interesting because when you see him play for the Netherlands, if you have, he plays very much as a primarily as a number 10 or a marauding midfielder, not a holding one. Um, but he's obviously able to do both, or Chris has at least worked with him to be able to be able to do both because he, he was impressive yesterday in what was a game that you really struggled to impress in. Um, but I thought he was good. And I thought that Knockart was our best attacking option again. Um, he had more shots than anyone else, more key passes than anybody else. Um, the shot he had that went out for a corner could have easily have been a goal if it wasn't blocked. Um, and if it wasn't for a, for an offside or a foul, I'm not sure what was given. Um, he would have been one-on-one -on -one with the keeper and maybe he would have scored this time as opposed to last week. And then 
the uh, the corner he whipped in on 85 minutes um, that didn't get given as a penalty. I mean, he could have won a penalty just from his corner delivery alone. Um, Fernandinho handballed the the ball on the way in. It was a handball. The referee didn't give it. Um, I, I mean, I get it. We're 85 minutes into a game. It's tighter than you'd expect it to be at the Etihad. I don't expect a referee to give us a penalty and cause some squeaky bomb time when they have some serious issues with a Champions League game in the midweek. Um, not that I'm a conspiracy theorist, but it makes sense. You see it every week. Big clubs get good calls. So it is what it is. We didn't deserve to win anyway or draw, so it doesn't particularly matter. Um, but it was a poor call. So but going on to the bad... Um, so the good was there the bad we need to go over that too um, the bad for me honestly was Bissouma actually um, he had only a 57% pass accuracy rate which is a massive anomaly compared to his usual output he didn't have any shots um, again like a massive anomaly His this entire game was just horrific for him um, even compared to his usual output against someone like Liverpool away, which was, you know, equally a very taxing game. But he was really poor. He also gave away two fouls, which was more than anybody else. And, you know, you can't afford to give fouls away against the best sides in the world. Um, and he also had two poorly controlled touches. Um, I'm not sure how they classify poorly controlled touches, but I take them as I see them, um, which was more than anybody else too. I'm not sure why, maybe it was just a bad day at the office, or maybe he wasn't used to the sheer volume of pressing that happened, um, but at least he had his bad day at the office if it was one against the best team in the league. Um, you know, he can collect himself, analyse what he did wrong, and if he can fix that against a team like Manchester City, then I think we can, I think we can feel pretty optimistic that he will be just fine. <laughs> um, we also need to acknowledge that the next part of the bad is being caught on the counter for the third game in a row, causing us to concede and lose the game. You go one goal down against Manchester City at their place and the game's effectively over. Um, it becomes a game of keeping the score down, which we did well, don't get me wrong. Um, but we played Manchester City three times now so far in the Premier League and we've been caught out by the same thing three out of three times against City. Um, for their first goal against us at the Amex for the first goal against us at the Etihad last season and for the first goal against us at the Etihad this season. Uh, we give away the ball around the halfway line and for some inexplicable reason, and it's only once, only, we only do it once a game, um, our fullbacks are pressed really high, they get really carried away, everybody's pressed high, there, no, there is no holding midfielder because everybody's pressed too far up and City just counter-attack us. Um, I've seen them do it against a, a dozen or so teams, by the way. This isn't just us. Um, but they are an absolute beast of a side. Um, and when they counter-attack, you know, them and Liverpool on the counter-attack, there's really nobody more deadly. Um, and we keep opening ourselves up for them to absolutely hammer us. So, I don't know, maybe we need to stop making the same mistakes. Maybe we need to... make. <sighs> It's tough because if you don't press forward, you're not going to score goals. But surely we can keep the entire back four on that like back a little bit deeper. Um, because if you can contain them, like we didn't look in danger if we contained them. Um, I mean, that's why they only scored two. We contained them well and we stopped them pressing. Like we stopped them hitting us fast. And as soon as we gave them one opportunity, they absolutely banged it. And they're, they're the, I mean, they're one of the best sides in the world for a reason. Um, 
maybe it's something for Chris to look at when they come traveling down to the Amex at the end of the year um, and just try, well, at the end of the season and just try and keep ourselves a little bit, I don't know, conservative is not the right word because we're conservative enough allowing them 80% possession. I say allow, they just took it. <laughs> um, but let's move on to the encouraging because we need to get, when a game like this, we need something to uh, to bounce back on because there's really, I mean, even looking at the good and some of the more reassuring stats, they're not exactly uh, shining lights, are they? So let's move on to the encouraging, and that's Jose Izquierdo is back. Um, he got minutes, albeit only a few under his belt, um, but he also played for the under-23s this week, and is well on his way back to the start in 11. Um, I think we need to be freaking delighted by that, because Izquierdo was the catalyst for our our performances in the last quarter of the season that kept us up um he is a huge asset for us on that left hand side and the sooner i see him out there the better um seeing him out there you know he can do he can change the game in one move um and knockout is producing the same kind of attitude on the right um and that's the reason there's the reason why we were so good towards the end of the season because knockout was finding his form um, for the first time all year and his Kiedo was performing at a great level and it scared the crap out of teams and it's coming back we're, we're getting him back um, I don't think he'll start against West Ham but with the next 9 or 10 games coming up where we don't have to play a top 6 side which is coming up um, I think we I think we need to be absolutely hype about him getting back and knowing that we have a choice of Ali Knockart and Jose all to play on the wing and cause some serious issues for whoever we're playing. Encouragement number two. Uh, our first seven games are now over. <laughs> um, woohoo. We've played four of the top six sides in our first seven games. Um, we are not in the bottom three and we have five points from seven games. Bearing in mind that four of those games were away at Liverpool, away at City, home to United, which we took three points from, and at home to Tottenham Hotspur. Um, we should be very happy indeed. Um, I think one point per game, well, I don't think I know, one point per game is where we need to be aiming. Uh, at the end of the season, 38 points will keep us up. It is a very rare occasion indeed when 38 doesn't keep us up. Um, if you go all the way back to 1992, when the when football officially began with the Premier League, so to speak, uh, we you'll see that I believe... Because I looked at this last year, I believe there was only two years in which 38 points wasn't enough. Um, so it has me convinced that one point per game is the target. And we are two points behind right now, but bearing the games we've had and the games we've got to come, um, I think it's massively uh, achievable to bounce back real quick and get that on our way. Um, I think that we, we don't play another top side, top six side until mid-December now. Um, which is a huge boost to us. And these next two months will be really phase one of our key moments to look at for survival this year. When we look back at the end of the season, this will be the first batch of games we look back at and think, this is why we did or this is why we didn't uh, continue to be a Premier League team. So all eyes on the next nine, um, starting at West Ham on Friday. And I think also... Just to throw it out there, um, I think you need to be looking at Knockart, Duffy and Ryan if you're into the fantasy football life. Um, I think that any of those should be standouts for the next two months, right? Uh, clean sheets should be easier to come by now, which we haven't had one all season yet. Um, and Duffy has liked to go so far this season. And at 5.5 million, Knockart, great option. Um, 
to be honest, he's on, he's my early shout for player of the season, and he's in my team. Him and Ryan. Um, I think they're both great call-outs if you wanted to uh, invest in some blue and white stripes in the Fantasy Premier League. I think they're the three to go for. Although tripling up on Albion is a bit risky unless you're an Albion fan. But if you're not listening, if you're listening to this, and I'm assuming you are. <laughs> so let's move on to the West Ham preview because we play Friday. Um, nice early game. See if we can get a uh, good start to put everybody else under pressure. So looking at the West Ham preview and looking at how we will uh, get a result a positive result against West Ham. Um, looking at their West last away game, uh, they played Everton away last, and that was a 3-1 win. Um, that's no mean feat to go to Goodison and put three past Everton. Um, and their best player on the get- on the day was by far Arnautovic. Um, and if you go to look at the United game this this week, uh, where they beat them at Old Trafford, Arn- Arnautovic was instrumental again. Um, and... Every single time you look at their stat sheet, there's always the same people at the top as the most influential. Um, it's Arnautovic, Yarmolenko, and Felipe Anderson. Uh, Felipe Anderson looks like a serious little player. Um, and keeping those two contained, those three contained, will be our key to winning. Um, all teams this year that have beaten West Ham um, have actually found a way to really neuter their front three. If you go back and, well, you don't need to go back. I've, I've done it for you. If you go and look at their stats in their defeats, um, you will see that the difference between their wins and their losses, uh, those front three, their pass accuracy and their shots allowed are way lower against those teams they got beat by. Um, similarly to the Liverpool game where we had to segment their three, we need to do the same here. Um, their central midfield isn't powerful enough to overrun us, but their wings are. And that's where we need to be aiming. Um, we did it at Anfield, for crying out loud. So <laughs> I feel like we must do the same against West Ham at the Amex. I think it's massively doable, despite the big mo that West Ham, West Ham have coming into this game. Um, you know, they're, they're coming on the, off the back of a 3-1 win um, against United. 3-1? 3-0? I may just be getting it mixed up with the 3-1 against Everton. Um... But, you know, they beat United and beat them comfortably, and we need to slow them down. And if we do that, we're way on, we're well on our way to a point minimum. Um, we've had a good record against West Ham last year, and I'm sure that we can emulate that. Our other key to victory is going to be utilising both flanks ourselves. Um, so not only will that push their wingers back, who are their most dangerous players by far, um, but it will also get the ball into Glenn, who undoubtedly will return to the 11 on Friday, in my opinion. Um... For me, you simply have to have something different on the left this weekend. I said it against City, um, but I also kind of expected them not to because Hewton would prefer defence first against a team like Manchester City, and I totally understand. Um, This weekend is not the same. We need to start winning points from these nine and win it as quickly as possible. Um, So I think it's time to look at a different kind of front three. So we'll see. we're through the first seven. We're ready to unleash some weapons. Um, we signed AJ for a reason. We signed... Uh, well, Knockout is playing like a new signing. So, you know, your time is now. Let's get them out there. Um, I don't think it's too soon for Jose this game, but which is a shame considering he seems to be West Ham's kryptonite. But we need to do something different this game because we're, per- we're perfectly capable of really putting the hurt on them if we want to. How we'll lose. Um, so this is 
a really good look at how we what we need to do to stop ourselves from getting beat. Um, not keeping our first clean sheet of the season for a start. <laughs> we need to get better at the back. That isn't a secret for anybody, I'm sure. Um, this is the perfect time because, again, we're out of the woods now. We're done with this first seven monster games. Um, this is the this is the best time we're going to get on uh, focusing on getting it done and keeping it safe at the back. And that's something that Hutton has as a total specialty in keeping teams quiet at the back. And I, that's what he needs to do again. Um, focus on keeping it tight and then score the goals to get the win. Um, that's going to be... It's just... I mean, right? Goals win games. It's going to be important not to let them get any. Um, and then also allowing their players too much time on the ball. Uh, playmakers in particular. This means the front three in particular. And Cresswell too, actually, if he plays. Um, Cresswell is West Ham's left back. And he, just like Seri and Shaw um, from previous games, is identified as the biggest difference maker Um in passes completed, crosses completed, key passes completed um, in their wins and losses. You give Cresswell space and time, um, they win games. If you keep him out of the game, it hurts them a lot more. Um, we played incredibly well. Um, we were incredibly successful in keeping Shaw in check. Um, we focused on keeping them down, and we focused on that side and kept Shaw dead, and we won the game. Um, as soon as... We pressed as soon as they got to the halfway line. Um, it broke them down, and this was a Manchester United side um, that you know is full of superstars. But with Serie, we did the exact opposite. Um, we allowed him that extra seven to ten yards into our half, and it was the key difference. Um, we didn't allow Shaw to get into our half most of the time. Um, and I get that him and Serie play in different spots, but the 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 entire point is the same, right? We need to keep them out, um, and. If we give Cresswell that time and space, we're going to be in big trouble. Um, and just try and cut out the silly mistakes in the box. We've seen, I feel like I've seen a goal mouse scramble every single week from us, which is very unlike us from days gone past. And we need to get sincere, like very much, we need to sort ourselves out at the back when we get into those scramble points. Stop trying to clear it out nicey-nicey and just hit the ball as hard as you can. Um, Montoya did it yesterday. He Twice he tried to clear the ball um, and knock out to... Even against like even against City at the A he had. We saw cute attempts at clearances. Just stop it. Get it out. Murray will do very well against their back two this weekend. Um, we need to exploit that. West Ham centre-backs are poorer than almost any other member of their team. Um, their stats are really not good reading for West Ham fans and it's definitely their weak spot and Murray is someone who is going to eat against them um, they've all given over one foul per game away so far they're back for every single week that's four fouls a minimum every single week from their back four um, you know we need to we need to capitalize from set pieces we did it against them before um, we, we seem to have a real good knack of getting goals against West Ham so we need to just continue to do that um, and really just focus on not giving away fouls ourselves I suppose <laughs> um, so there's the how we'll lose how we'll win um, and on to the predicted 11 um, I think the predicted 11 is going to be a weird one this week uh, because he's played around with the Lockadier idea um, don't think it will happen this weekend I think we'll see there's 
there's a bunch of players I'm sure of and some that I'm really not. So Matty Ryan will obviously start in goal. Montoya, Duffy and Dunk will be mainstays in the back in the back four. Totally get it. Um, I think Stevens and Proper will be in the middle if they're fit. If Stevens is fit, that will be the play of Stevens and Proper central midfield duo. If they're not, then Kyle will replace Stevens, of course. Um, and I think that Bissouma will probably play this weekend because it doesn't sound like Gross is going to be ready. Honestly, it doesn't seem like Gross is going to be ready until the next international break is over and done with. Um, so I'm kind of just letting him go for now. Um, but our real, our real issue comes on the left-hand side. Um, Knockout will obviously play. Murray will play. Um, but I can't decide what Chris is going to do on the left. Um, I think... And this is just obviously a guess, no one knows. But I would guess that if we decide to play Bong at a left back, he is going to play AJ or Izquierdo if he thinks Izquierdo is fit enough. I think that he will play one of those two if he chooses to play Bong. If he chooses to play Bernardo at left back, I think we will see Solly March play at left wing again. I don't think it's the right decision if he does it. And I would rather see a Bong AJ or a Bong Izquierdo pairing, but I think that's going to be what we go for. Um, I don't. I think asking him to do too much at once is a bit much for Chris. Um, in an ideal world, I'd love to see Bernardo and AJ start, but I think that we're just wishing upon wishing upon a star with that one. Um, I don't think it will happen. So. There's your predicted 11. Ryan Montoya, Duffy, Dunk, Bong or Bernardo. Knockout, Stevens, Proper, March or AJ. And then Basuma and Murray. Um, I think Basuma will get back to his best this weekend. Um, I think he's going to be our catalyst and the one to watch. Because our wings are going to be in a heck of a battle. And it's going to be up to someone in the middle to do something different. Just like Gross did the last time. Um, and I think he's going to be the boy. So we'll see. Um... That's it in terms of my previews and my analysis. Um, next week, we will be able to go and have an analysis of the West Ham game, which I'm hoping is going to be a little bit more in-depth and fun because hopefully, A, we've won, and B, at least we've had a game against a team we're possibly able to win against. Um, if you have any recommendations for middle segments for this podcast, let me know on Twitter, at TogetherBHA, um, over the next week. 7 to 10 days, I am going to be putting together probably around 6 to 10 middle segments. Um, I've just been super, super busy between now and the hurricane. Um, so this week, this 10 days, I've got a lot of time on my hands. And I'm really going to take some time to put together, um, yeah, around 6 to 10 middle segments so I can roll them out as and when I want. And if you have anything you would like to see on that middle segment, let me know. Um, older fans who have been following the album for years and years, if you have anything that you'd like me to take an in-depth look at or just an idea of, let me know. Newer fans, um, if you would like to learn something new uh, about the club, about its history, about anything Brighton and Albion, let me know so I can do my research and my reading and my writing. <laughs> um, so yeah, let me know at TogetherBHA on Twitter and I will see you all next week, hopefully with another three points in the bag and our second win of the season against West Ham United. Thank you and be safe.